So last week, for some of you guys that weren't here, um, we we just felt like there was something that w- that was happening in worship that was not happening, and we felt like there was just a a like we were dragging something through the mud. And Sean and and Jess and Coco and I spoke during the week, and we're just tossing backwards and forwards as to what it is, and it's about the fact that we don't regularly teach on worship, and we sort of chatted that through the the culture of worship that we have in this house and and how important it is and and how much we want to actually operate in that and I just felt after Sunday for us to just take some time to <clears throat> pun me to just preach and teach on worship and then I'm going to get Sean and Coco up to to answer some questions that we have um, regarding worship and what it looks like for them and then we're just going to go in and worship and Tim's going to lead us and I said to Tim we're singing a song this morning that says, we'll wait for you. So I said to Tim, we can't sing, we'll wait for you, and then move on to the next song. We have to, if we're going to sing, Lord, we'll wait for you, then we have to wait for him. Right? We have to create a, a, a position in our hearts that we actually wait for who he is and wait for what it is he's going to do. And interestingly enough, that we're going to challenge and, and speak about how to actually press in, and it's a rainy day. And a lot of guys are away and gals are away. And, you know, this will go out and I'm sure people will listen to it. I want this to be a challenge to us that there's times in our life where, without using the, the analogy, it's going to be raining. It's going to be awful. It's going to be uncomfortable. Bed is going to be the most comfortable place. But there's a position that we have to actually take our hearts where we go, I'm going to worship you, Jesus. I'm going to put myself in a position to actually worship you. And I'll tell you, it was not easy for me to get out of bed this morning. We snoozed that alarm like you wouldn't believe. We mashed the old snooze button. And Jess goes, um, yeah, so we're laying in bed. And Jess said, I said, we have to get up. And she goes, but it's, it's so cold outside. And it's so nice. I said, I know. But there's worship to be done. There's a people to gather. There's something for us to actually come and do. So I want, to, I want to actually speak about that this morning and explain what it is we're doing in this place, that we're not just coming here and singing songs, that there's a lot of questions at the moment from a lot of people in my sphere and a lot of guys in the sphere speaking about whether or not um, it's going to play on. So that's just going to play on. <laughs> um, about whether or not this is important about whether or not gathering together on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night is actually important. And you know, I've been thinking about it quite a bit, but what happens here in this place, what happens here when we preach the Word and we worship together as a body, shoulder to shoulder, there's things that actually take place. And I want to explain a little bit of that this morning. So I want to just, before we start, I want to define the terms. I want to define what worship and praise is. So that's going to be the what. It's what it is we actually come to do. And it's quite interesting when you take the time to break down what the scriptures explain about worship and what it looks like. But the word worship is used in, in, in the Greek and Hebrew form 110 times in the Old New Testament. And the Greek word is the word proskunio, and it means literally or figuratively to, to prostrate oneself in homage and reverence to God, to adore Him. And the Hebrew word H7812 is shalkar, and it means this, to prostrate in homage or royalty to God, in reverence to make oneself low or to stoop. The Oxford Dictionary says that it's this, that worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Of reverence and adoration for a deity. So that's worship. To bring oneself low, to bring oneself before something or somebody and actually bring themselves under that person. To say, you are greater than me. You are bigger than me. You are more than I could ever be. That's what it is to worship. That becomes quite scary when we talk about worshipping money or your job or something else, but we're not talking about that. This is to bring ourselves before God and say, God, I am, I am smaller than you. I am, I am subject to who you are. But that's why when people in the Bible, it says that they fell on their face and worshipped because they brought themselves to the most vulnerable position that they could. In, in fighting, in the UFC or in boxing, the worst place you can be is having someone on your back. They call it you give up your back because the, once someone gets behind you, 
they can take your throat and it's all the fight's all over. So you protect your back. Same thing with an animal. When an animal's feeling threatened, they say its back's up against the wall because it has to give up their back. But when we lay prostate on the floor, we actually position ourselves to say, God, I'm giving you my most, my most vulnerable state. So John, when he comes into the experience in Revelation, when he comes into the heavenlies and he sees Jesus, the beautiful one of which he had laid his, his head on his chest, when he sees him in power and glory, he falls flat, flat on his face, prostate before God, revealing to himself the most vulnerable position he could be in. The other word that we hear, that we hear is praise. So that's worship. The other word we hear is praise. It's used 270 time, 207 times in the Bible in this context. The Greek, the Greek is the, the Greek word anio, and it means to praise, and it links back to the same as the Hebrew word. The word praise comes from a root Hebrew word, and it's a word hador, and it means this, an open hand to revere, to confess, and to give thanks. It literally means to praise, means to open my hand. So that's why when we see in, in church circles, people when they come in, their hands are raised, because it's a position of surrender. It's a position to say, God, I'm giving you all of myself. I once had a friend explain it to me like this, that if someone came into your into a bank when you were lining up in the bank and they came in with a gun, what's the first thing that we do? Instinctively, we put our hands in the air and show that our hands were surrendered. I'm not going to hurt you. You do what you want to do. So when we come into that place of praise and worship and we lift our hands and we open up our hands, we're actually saying to God, God, it's all yours. Everything that I'm doing here is all yours. My life is yours. That's why for me I get a little bit um, challenged when we go into a worship set and we sing songs about ourselves. Because when I'm surrendering, I'm opening up myself to say, God, it's all yours. Come and have your way. Come and be worshipped. Come and be glorified. Everything I have, I'm giving to you. I'm surrendering myself to you. To surrender, to open your hands, to revere, to confess, and to give thanks. The Oxford Dictionary says that praise, the word praise means to express warm approval and admiration of or express one's respect and gratitude towards a deity, especially in song. The root Hebrew word for praise cannot be found in our English language. We don't have a valid description of the word praise in our English language like they had in the Old New Testament. That to me says that along the way we've actually made praise this thing that we wanted it to be rather than being exactly that, a surrendered prostate position to say, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. Everything you do, we do here and we're going to do in a minute for as long as we need to is, God, I'm coming to position myself outside of me and inside of you. I don't want to be the center focus of what's about to take place. I want you to be the center of focus. I want you to receive of all that I am, you to receive of all the praise and worship that we, that we can gather. Probably don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not praise and worship. I remember growing up as a kid that praise and worship was praise with the two fast songs, worship with the three slow songs, and then we spend a moment at the end in this sort of weird, no one knows what's happening moment. That was kind of praise and worship, right? Then we clock off, the preacher comes up, and away we go. And for a big part, we've, we've created that as well. You know, I, I'm guilty of that as well. Like, what do we do? What do we do? We just keep doing what we've always done. Sing a song, and, and if nothing happens, then move to the next song. If nothing happens, move to the next song. And if nothing happens in the worship service, then move to the preach. And if the preacher calls us back up to worship, we hope something happens then. And it might happen for one and two, and the rest of us go home pretty much, well, it was okay. You know, worship, church was okay. But that's not how the ancients understood. It's not how the, the, the Hebraic understanding of worship was never that. But it was never, I'm coming to get something. It's never, I want to I wanna feel like something. If you notice, all of these words, both the breakdown of the word praise and the breakdown of the word worship, have nothing to do with me. Nothing. Has everything to do with him. Has everything to do of me coming to the end of myself. Now I can start to praise and worship. Laying down everything, now I can start to praise and worship. And I was listening to something <clears throat> the other day. A, a famous preacher was talking about the fact that 
for a worship team, they have to, the first one or two songs is really hard to get the community to engage because they've got to let their weeks go, right? And they've got to come in, and, and which is fair enough. That's what happens, right? We, we come in, we're a bit flustered, and we've got to wait, then we can press in. But the reality is, is that we all need to be in a position where we go, I'm going to give. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give of myself not to receive of myself. I'm going because he is worthy. The what is coming in complete reverence and surrender in order to give thanks and gratitude. The what is coming in complete reverence and surrender in order to give thanks and gratitude. The who. The who is about Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we're coming to worship. God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the writer of time, everything that we do in our life, the person who, who knows our front from our back, our side from our side, that's who we're coming to worship. See, when we, people have got offended with me when I've said, hey, worship is actually not about you. And they're like, well, hang on, well, hang on a minute. Because when I come and I worship, I receive so much. Absolutely you do. Because he's a good father and he gives to you. He gives unto you. But it's not about you. I've used this analogy so many times, I'm going to use it again. When I buy a gift for Jess, I'm buying her a gift because I love her, because she deserves it, because I want to pour out my love and my gratitude to her. I'm not thinking about the gift I'm going to get for my birthday. If I do that, I'm an awful husband. right? If I buy my wife a nice watch because I'm going to get the new PS5, <laughs> Although, Jess, if you're listening, I'd like the PS5, new PS5. But you see, that's manipulation. And my Bible says that manipulation is witchcraft. Now, that's a hard word, but that's what it is. We can't dance around what this thing is, is that when we come before God, we cannot come and say, God, I'm going to give you this in the hope that you give me something. So when I say worship is not about you, yes, you will receive something in worship. Why? Because you've opened your hands and God will put something in it. But your job is to open your hands, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to give Him all. Everything about worship points to the fact that it's all about Him. It's all about Him being uplifted, Him being exalted, Him being worshipped. I spoke last week about the garden, about the garden mandate. That, that God created this place that, that, that worshipped Him, glorified Him. He created this place that, that everything in there brought back to Him, including Adam and Eve. And I, I was explaining that that, that was broken, that the, the whole gospel is that the, the tea bag was snipped and poured out because we left God's presence when Adam and Eve sinned. But because of what Jesus did, it actually brings us back into that place with him, back into that communion, as it were, with him, back into that place. And worship allows us into the place that Adam and Eve were removed from. Worship brings us back into that place. That once a year, once a year, the, the, um, the priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies to cleanse himself, to prepare himself. I've spoken about this before, the, the ritual they would go through just to spend a moment with the king just to spend a moment with God. At the risk of dying, they would go into this place. We get to do that every single day. But there's something, that, there's something inside us, there's a complacency that goes, I get to do it every day. So nah. now you've seen that friend and he's got that, like, that cool thing, whatever it is that you want, like a boat or a jet ski, and you're like, man, it's so cool, I can't believe you get it. He's like, nah, I can use it whenever I want. You know, I've got it, it's mine, it's cool, but... I'm on to the next thing because I don't have the next thing. We've done that with God. We've done that with relationship with Him because it's so accessible. It's so accessible that we go, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Could you imagine just for a moment that one of those high priests was here and he sits here and he goes, you guys get to go to that place every day. And you don't have to cleanse yourself for the week leading up. You don't have to go and buy a special animal to kill it and to bring it in. You're not afraid that you could potentially die in that place. Imagine he was, if he was standing here right with us now. And he goes, every day, 
yeah, man, you must do it all the time. Ah, we do it once a week if we feel like it. Yes, that's challenging, eh? Because we get the position every day to come before him. Now, always, I always was fascinated by the, um, the royals, um, William and whatever his partner's name is, Kate. Always fascinated me because I didn't give two hoots. Like, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I don't. Like, it's great. I'm sure they're great people and it's awesome. But when they come to town, I remember my brother was in um, Wagga Wagga. He was living in Wagga and they came to Wagga. And my brother was like, man, the town's on fire. Everyone is so excited. I was just like, ugh, I just couldn't care, you know. But he was telling me that there were so many people lined up waiting, waiting to this potential park that they might come to. They waited for hours. And I said, what did they get to do? They said, no, she went to that park. Fantastic. What did they get to do? They saw a glimpse of her getting out of the car. A glimpse. Oh, my goodness. There's the rules. They do the thing, the handshake or whatever it is they do. They cut some ribbon and back into the car. And people are ecstatic. That's changed my life. I saw them. I got a glimpse. A glimpse. In the same story, I, Jess and I, my brother, got us tickets to see Ed Sheeran. In a, in a private, like a corporate box. And I like Ed Sheeran, so I was like, yeah, we'll come for sure. So we flew to Sydney and um, we took my mum with us. And we got to the, we got to the um, Sydney cricket ground and my brother said, get here like 10 minutes before the first act goes on because then I'll finish work and I'll take you up to the box and we can meet a few people. We met people along the way, again, famous people that he was like, yeah, this is, I think we met, we met Brian Lara and he was like, it's Brian Lara. I was like, it's cool, hey, like, but we get to this, we're walking up, and I said to my brother, hey, it's not, why is it not packed? Like, there's no one here. And he said, yeah, everyone's already inside. We had to let them in an hour earlier. I said, why? He said, because two days before the Ed Sheeran concert, we've had a lineup down the street. People were tense. He said, we've had to call the ambulance multiple times with people passing out from um, dehydration, too much sun, because they've been in line to see Ed Sheeran for two days. They waited out the front. Two days. So we go in, we get into our box, and I can see Ed Sheeran clearly. I've been here 10 minutes, and I can see Ed Sheeran, and I go, wow, he's incredible, and he's holding a crowd with an acoustic guitar like I've never seen before. But I'm not waiting two days to get a glimpse of him. You know where I'm going with this. Huh. If I put on a worship event tonight, when it's raining, we're going to struggle to get people there. We're not going to have people lining up down the street for two days. If I can promise you, you're going to meet God. The Holy Spirit's going to be there. I promise you he'll be there. Come along and you'll meet the creator, the creator of everything. I'll see. But I bet you, every coin in my bank account, that if I put Ed Sheeran from this pulpit with a guitar, I will have a lineup out there as long as the eye can see The next thing that people are going to say is, yeah, but it's just an event. Because I won't come to your event, you're saying that I'm not worshipping. No, exactly right. At home, you can worship in that place. But do you? But also, when we do run that event, when we do bring people in and we say, guys, we're going to gather together with sons and daughters of God, with brothers and sisters, and we're going to glorify the King. Do we have people flocking to say, it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to come and I'm going to lay prostrate in a position that says, God, you get my everything. I'm going to open my hands and say, God, you get my everything from that place. See, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. That's the question we have to start to, to say. If I know that God's going to show up, yeah, but Ben, you can't, you can't say that he's definitely going to be there. Great. Come because you know he's worthy. Come because you know that he did for you what no one else could do. Come because he's the one who's glorious and mighty. Or don't come. Be at home, but position your heart to say, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you my all today. We don't worship him because he's good. We worship him because he is worthy. That challenged me when I first heard that. We don't worship him because he's good. We worship him because he's worthy. 
You know, when a new king would get elected in a, in a town or a city, when, when the king was brought in, the people were already there excited to, to bring homage to the new king. But the new king hasn't done anything. But they know instinctively, this king is going to work for me. This king is going to operate and he's a king. So we give him the, the royalty, we give him the worship, we give him the glory. This is something that we've lost in our understanding today. I was watching an interview with somebody. He was a, um, it might have been Jordan Peterson. I think it was actually. And he was being interviewed by this lady. And he, he has a doctorate in, in um, psychology, but it's not. It's something else, but my mind's gone blank. But it's like psychology. But he has a doctorate, right? So he's a doctor. He spent a lot of time at school. He studies, he's researched. And in this interview, she's questioning some of the things that he's saying. And then when he challenges her and he says, can you cite a document for me about your research? She goes, oh, I'm not the learned one, you are. And he says to her, then doesn't my voice have more weight in this conversation than yours? And she disagreed with him on that. Because what we've done is we've actually lost the ability to say, wow, you've spent a lot of time learning and researching and knowing the topic you're talking about. We go, no, but I feel like this is going to be, I feel like I'm right in this. When we worship God, when we worship God, He is the expert on everything. His ways are greater than my ways. He knows more than I know in this, in this topic, in this understanding. He is bigger than I am. So I bring myself to that position to say, God, here's my back. And I lay face down on the floor. Because I want you to have everything. Why? Because I know that your ways are better than my ways. If I don't understand, I'll follow it. Because you are the worthy one. The who? El Shaddai, Yahweh, God Most High, Jehovah. Him, not me. The who? El Shaddai, Yahweh, God Most High, Jehovah. Him, not me. Matthew 6, 19 verse 21 says this. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. You see, the picture of our heart expresses the very thing that we we value and we treasure, that we worship, that we come after. When we give everything to our job, our heart values that more than anything else. When we allow our heart to speak, it'll speak of what it is that's in there. It'll, it'll push out what's in there. You can't hide that. You can hang around with a really nice guy for two weeks and you find out in the nitty and gritty of life whether he really is a really nice guy. Why? Because he can't hide what's in here. You can be a generous person when everyone's looking and a real stingy person when you think nobody's looking. See, because our heart reveals who God is. Our heart reveals the treasure so when we come and we have to drag ourselves to worship, we have to drag ourselves to spend time with Him, right then we know that we're doing it out of an intellectual, law-based position because I'm dragging myself there. But when we know, God, You are so good, You are so worthy, I'm going to position my heart to overflow into You then that's what's... I'm excited. I'm excited to pray. But Ben, how can you say that when you say you, you, you had to drag yourself out of bed this morning? Because it's hard. It is hard. I'm not negating the fact that we all skip along and it's all, it's all daisies and, and hunky-dory, but I've got to check my heart to work out why is it difficult? Why? Why do I find it hard to pray? Why do I find it hard to press into his word? Why do I find it hard to worship him, to glorify him? Why do I find those things hard? Because if I can work that out, then it becomes easier and easier and easier. And more and more time goes into the things that I treasure, him and who he is. 
The what is coming in complete reverence and surrender in order to give thanks and gratitude. The who, to El Shaddai, Yahweh, the God Most High, Jehovah. Him, not me. The why, aside from the fact that he is worthy, aside from that fact, there is something that takes place, which is what I, I want to get you guys to understand. There's something that takes place when we worship. Hey, Kat, I don't know if you can... Can you... Sermons up? Jeez, you're a genius. Psalm 149. Verse 1. I want to show you this because this verse is incredibly powerful and should give us an understanding of what it is takes place right here. That if we could peel back the spirit realm and show what actually happens when a people of God come together and glorify his name, we would want to do it so much more. Psalm 149, 1 to 9. Pardon me. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. Tambourines are a bit bit unsure for me. I should say like drums and lyre. But tambourine and lyre. For the Lord makes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them judgment written. The judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. See, this to me expresses two types of worship, corporate and private. Why? Because I'm not on Dave's bed on a Thursday afternoon sitting there while he's in his quiet place. He's on his bed. But I am here when he's here. So there's two elements to this. There's corporate and there's private. But both are important. Why? Because when we come together as a people and when we worship privately, we are pushing back the gates of darkness. We are pushing back hell out of a nation and a region or a people. When it says come and bring a song for somebody, it's to sing over their life to push darkness out of their life. So even though I sound like a drowning fish when I sing, when I sing over Sean, I'm pushing out darkness in his life. He's there like, oh, oh, I feel free. Oh, but I feel free, but oh. Because I'm singing over him the joys and the freedom of God. Because I have a sword in my hand and I have power in my tongue to, to press back the things of darkness. So when we come and we sing and we come to a place to say, God, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to glorify you, it's because we come in a place to say we're pushing back the gates of hell. So imagine this. Imagine if, if last Sunday... When we came together and we worshipped, we peeled back the, the, the spirit realm and we could see into what's actually happening. And right there in this worship, we saw a family get set free of a demon. But we didn't know it was there. We didn't know the family. We didn't know what was going on. But as, thing, as we worshipped, we saw the people enter into freedom. And as we stopped, we see them pull back into darkness. What would we want to do? Worship. You, I'd have people running the front, Ben, please, don't stop this. We're almost there. We've almost broken in through this family. We've almost removed the evil in the city. We've just, just a little bit longer. Can we fight back just a little bit longer? Instead, we have the opposite where we go, man, I'm not receiving anything. Gee, I'm not really feeling anything. Maybe I need to just, maybe we just finish it. We're dragging. I need to just finish it and go home. But right there in the spirit, the angel's going, don't stop. Don't stop. You're almost there. This family or this, this people group or this city or this nation is almost free. But then you say, well, why can't God just free them? Because he's partnering with you or I. He's given us the keys to this realm. He's given us the authority in the heaven, in the, in the earthly, sorry, to move and to shift to people. He's given that authority to us. Do you know why God had to come down and stop them at the Tower of Babel? Because when he created mankind, he created them in his image as creators. 
Do you know why we have life and death in the power of our tongue? Why, why um, famous people will write a book like The Secret and say, if you speak it, it'll come. Because when we were created, we were created in the image of a creator. So we've been given spiritual creating abilities in our tongue. And you get to decide what you do with it. You get to decide what you do with it. So, so God comes down because they would have made it. He knew when all these people are together in unity and in love and for the same goal, their tongues can create what I know they shouldn't be creating. That's why when we pray, you, you, you want to be able to agree with the person who's praying because in agreement, we can, we can start to see something happen. We can start to see something happen. So as a people, when we gather together and we agree in worship to say, we're going to pu push back the gates of hell today. We're going to push back the darkness. We're going to wait on God. We're going to ask Him to move. We're going to seek His face. It doesn't matter how well we play these instruments. That doesn't matter because in unity, we're going to come to achieve the task God's asked us to achieve. In unity, the power and the praise to Him rips down strongholds. In Numbers 2.9, it says, All those listed of the camp of Judah by their companies were 186,400, and Judah shall set first on the march. In Judges 1, 1-2, After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. Judges 20 verse 18, The people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up, shall go up first. Numbers 2 verse 3, Those to camp on the east side toward the sunrise shall be of the standard of the camp of Judah by their companies, the chief of the people of Judah being Nashon, the son of Aminadab. Why is Judah always positioned in the front of the army and in the front of the camp where people would come through? Because in battle, they were the first people who would, who would touch sword to sword. They were the first people who would go into battle. And we understand why from Genesis 29 and 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased being Judah means to praise. God designed a people to enter into every battle with praise on their lips. Because it's praise that breaks down the enemy's understanding. It's praise that wrestles somebody and they can't quite understand and they get more frustrated and more frustrated and more frustrated. As a people, the position in our hearts to operate in the kingdom of God is to enter into every battle with praise. What's praise? Come on, someone. What's praise? Come on. Surrendered, open hands. We enter into battle with surrender in our hearts because we surrender to the one who knows how to fight the battle. We surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He fights the battle. He fights the battle. So we go into war with surrender on our hearts because we say, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. I'm surrendering to you. I'm laying down prostrate on the floor. That's why God puts an enemy, sorry, puts a table in the midst of our enemies. I can't think of another word. Um, <laughs> I can't think of another word. It's okay. That's why God puts a table. There's like a monkey in there just clashing cymbals together. Put, yeah, tambourine. Yeah. I don't like the tambourine because I play drums and at one church we had it was a really small building and you're trying to keep time and listeners before in ears and listen and then there's just one person at the front like this. Out of time, just obnoxious and you just can't. It's like... And then at that time... The church leader then at that time put a box at the front with, with instruments in it. And I was like, I get it, it's great, I love it, but we don't, 
You don't love it. We enter into battle like God designed us to enter into battle, with praise in our hearts. We surrender to him to say, God, your will, your kingdom, who you are, come, who you are. God's plan from the beginning was for us to enter into everything with praise and worship of him. The what, coming in complete reverence and surrender in order to give thanks and gratitude. The who, to El Shaddai, Yahweh, the God Most High, Jehovah, him, not me. The why, in order to glorify God and to use the means he has given me to see his will be done. In order to glorify God and to use the means he has given me to see his will be done. The how is real simple. Yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. I said last week, and I've now said it 500 times since last week, because it's just, it's the simple understanding of the Christian walk for me now. Understand how to hear God's voice, do exactly what he says. Understand how to hear God's voice, do exactly what he says. Now the first part's hard. Dave and I had a conversation during the week. The first part can be real hard. Because God, I'm not hearing you right now. I don't know what to do. And do the last thing he told you to do. And just keep doing that. And keep doing that. And keep doing that. Until he tells you to do something else. And then do it. Trust and do it. Do what he's asked you to do. Exodus 33, 14, verse 15. Moses gets asked to do an incredible thing. To lead a people out of slavery, brokenness, heartache into a place that seems just there all the time. Just there. We're almost there. Imagine 40 years, we're almost there. Hey, Moses, we're almost there. Bro, it's been 25 years. Hey, we're almost there. It's just there. It's just there. But Moses understood how to stay on that pattern because he says this. Moses replies to God. Sorry, God says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God says to Moses, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses, Lord, just checking. Double checking. I'm just making sure, because if it's not, I'm not going. Just double checking. I know you just said it, but if your presence will not go with me, don't bring me up from here. So God says, my presence will go with you. Lord, if your presence won't go with me, I don't want to go from here. See, oftentimes we wait and we wait and we wait. We say, God, 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 come, come and move, come and move, come and move. But we, we're so loud, we're making so much noise that we've actually failed to just stop and just wait and listen. Just wait and listen. I wonder if in the desert where the manna was placed, doesn't tell us, but like I wonder if God just put it like, just like five Ks north of their position and just said, hey, there's manna up there. And then they've all got to get their stuff. I'm like, ugh, gee, I'm hungry. I hope there's food there. Because some it's raining. Yeah, the sun's not out. I can't drive today. But it's just there. But it's just there. Sorry, I'm poking fun, but I, I'm not upset by it, but I do like to poke a bit of fun. But imagine if that was God and we're like, oh, I just don't know God. Well, that's the only food you've got. It's up there. Manna. There's a basket of it. See, we often think, we often think, oh, sorry, I'm going to go, I'm almost done and I'm going to get shy and cocoa up and we're going to worship. Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then... Will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew who you were. I never knew you. You never took time in a place for us to generate a relationship. You did all the things, but you never actually took the time at my feet. It's Mary and Martha. It's you're busy doing my, what you think is my work, but you've not stopped to kneel at my feet and to hear the things that I actually have given to you. And often that story with Mary and Martha Martha was doing the right thing culturally. 
She was doing the right thing in that time and that day. But Mary knew something bigger. Mary saw something bigger. And she took the approach to say, regardless of what the time is, regardless of what it looks like, I'm going to do the thing that I think is better. Luke 7.36, the, the prostitute who comes in and washes the feet of Jesus. She was breaking every single cultural law and barrier that there is to break in order to see I'm going to wash this man's feet because there's beauty and there's glory in who he is and I don't care what the things around me are saying. I don't care what the culture is saying to me. He is beautiful and I'm going to give my all to him. I wonder if I would have done the same thing. What if I had the guts that that lady had in my uncleanness and my, my dirtiness, the culture had said that I was a nobody, that I was the scum of the earth, and I have this one, one box of, of, of everything I own, the beautiful oil, and I'm just, I just know it doesn't matter if they kill me right there in the spot. It doesn't matter if I have no more food. He, this, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is worth it, so I'm going to give him all that I have. If we as a people can get there, where we go, I don't care what the culture around is saying to me. I don't care what it looks like from the outside. I don't care what it might do to my life, how, how many hours I could lay in bed on a cold, rainy day, how many hours I could just have the weekend to myself. I don't care what it looks like, how many mornings before work that I'll be tired at work. I don't care what it looks like so long as, Lord, you get the glory you deserve. You get the honor that you deserve because you were so worth it. When we learn to yield to the Spirit of God, when we learn to actually walk in and do the things that He's asked. Because this is the challenge. If you don't do it, if we don't do it, Jesus says that I'll make the rocks do it. Sorry. Let me rephrase that because he doesn't say I'll make the rocks do it. He says the rocks will do it. The rocks will do it. If you don't want to, if you don't want to, it's okay. It's okay. Because the glory will come. The worship and the honor will come. Why? Because the earth knows who he is. The earth knows who he is. You know, scientists found that... I wanted to get the actual author, but I forgot and I looked this morning and I couldn't find it in my quick search. But there is a scientist, and I'm sure he has a fantastic name. But he did research where he found out that everything, everything creates a sound. That everything that, that is in our, um, I'm not a scientist, I think the words matter, but I might be wrong there. I think there might be another word for it. But everything that there is creates a noise. And in my research this morning, I found that, that even the earth, they've got a sound that the earth makes that they don't know what it is. That the whole earth makes a noise and they can pick up the frequency, but they can't work out what it is. I think I know what it is. Again, I'm not a scientist, but I know this book somewhat well. And at the very beginning, it says that, that God spoke the earth into being. Of course there's noise. Of course everything makes a sound because God created it from sound waves. He created it from his mouth. He created it from the words that he spoke. So when it says that even the, cro- even the rocks will cry out if we don't want to, it's because they all know who Yahweh is. That when he walks into the room, we sing that song and everything changes. Sometimes we're the last to realize what the change is. Sometimes we're the last people to pick up and go, man, the King of Glory is here. It doesn't have to be instruments. It doesn't have to be a beautiful singing voice. But it has to be, it has to be inwardly and outwardly. There has to be an expression coming from our mouth. That's why I say, guys, come on, lift your voice. Why am I asking you to lift your voice? Because there's power in the way that we speak. There's power in the words that come out of our mouth. There's power in the things that we can actually um, agree upon. And that's what happens when we worship. When we stand here and say, Lord, you are who you said you are. There's power in that. There's power in our voice. So if you can't sing, 
sing your heart out. Man, Jess and I at home, we just like battling backwards and forwards. We got like the voice going on for who's the worst singer, but we we given it to it. Why? Because there's power. When I wake up in the morning and there's a, there's a song in my head, I sing it. Why? Because there's power. There's something that's happened in my sleep that God has actually... <laughs> there's something that's in my head that God's actually done in my sleep. He's revealed a song to me. And I'll wake up sometimes and it'll be like, it'll be like mid-90s, like first Planet Shakers album that ever came out. And I'm just like, man, that's going back, that song. But there's obviously something that's happened there. There's something on that that I want to sing out, that I want to speak openly. The what? Coming in complete reverence and surrender in order to give thanks and gratitude. The who? To El Shaddai, Yahweh, the God Most High, Jehovah. It's a him, not to me. The why? In order to glorify God and to use the means he has given me to see his will be done. And the how? I do this by yielding in complete surrender to the Holy Spirit by yielding to who he is by giving him my back to say Lord it's all you everything's yours does that make sense does anyone have any questions before I get Sean and Coco up it's okay we can do a question I won't be upset if I don't know the answer I'm going to say I don't know the answer no sure once twice thrice alright let's give Sean and Coco get Sean and Coco up can you guys just give them a clap while they come up because they've done a phenomenal job Okay. Oh, you can you guys can decide. <laughs> I just have a couple of questions I want I want Sean and Coco to answer. Why? Because they carried us through a season and a time where worship was was in, incredibly important, but also incredibly challenging. That we actually had to, we are asking people to worship from their living rooms, to worship from home. That we had to go into a secluded place, into a place of, of loneliness in the house, and get you to worship when there wasn't really a, a how-to or a training or a time of. And I think Sean and Coco tremendously carried us through that time. And I wanted to ask a few questions that just hopefully will allow us to understand how they operate in the gifts that they carry and how they work through their daily lives in, with worship in their hearts. So, question number one. In as few words as possible, how important is worship to you? Um, I don't know if I can do few words. That's why I wanted to do a few words. So it's, it's impactful. No, okay, so um, super quickly, um, anytime the noise gets loud, um, there's chaos, just screaming things, there's piles of laundry in my living room, there's toys everywhere, I come back to this. Um, and I'll just read it really quickly. He existed, Colossians 1. Verse 16, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And that's the punchline for me. Everything was created through him and for him. So why is worship important to me? Because that's my design. That's what I was created to do. I was created through him and for him. So when I come into alignment with that, I'm doing exactly what I was made to do. And just quickly. Okay. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> If you take it right back to the garden, we've been talking about the garden. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for relationship, connection, communion. And when we say communion, it's an exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings on a mental and spiritual level. 
So, because communion can be quite a Christianese thing to say. That's why I wanted to just wrap that around that. Um, when God created me, I don't feel like he was saying, I'm going to create Karina for the purpose of seeing how far she can get in her career or how much money she can make. He actually just created me for communion, for relationship. That's it. And that's what worship is to me. Do you have anything to add, Sean? Um, you covered a lot, bro, in your, in your um, soliloquy. Had a lot more to cover, but I left. I, left but I, think, I think people should really replay that message um, because we're on the same page a lot with what we talk about in worship. And to me, worship is, is a, it's about your heart, which is what Ben spoke about. It really is about your heart. And when I was a non-Christian, hearing Christians say, hey, you know, we give our heart to the Lord. Have you given your heart to the Lord? I was like, you guys are whack, you know. <laughs> what the heck would God want with an organ, you know? And I never understood it. Um, but it's about when I learned, when I became discipled, our heart is our seat of motivation, the thing that motivates us. Why do we get out of bed every day? Why do we do what we do? You know, why, where are our thoughts funneled through? And when you strip away the band, the stage, the lights, the church, your heart's still pumping. That's the thing that God's interested in. What, what's motivating you? Um, ben said very clearly about, you know, do you have musical gifts and, you know, how do you sing and all that stuff? We honestly believe that is irrelevant. And it is an honor that Coco and I lead the worship team. But I get a kick out of serving the Lord with my heart. So I was talking to Ben about it. I get a kick out of setting chairs out. And it's a bit of an inside joke because they love it when I do, don't you, Brian? Jess especially. She loves when I come set the chairs out. Or um, we were involved in a charity in Southport helping the needy. That's all, that's all worship because that comes out of my heart. And that's the thing that God is most interested in, you know, before our relationships, before other things, what's going on inside of us, and that's what God wants. That's worship to me. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> Do you guys have a story, just a quick story of something that's, that you've seen shift when you've entered into worship or something that you've seen through worship, you've seen um, something break or something, something powerfully um, move? The question I had written down was, "What do you think ha takes place when you worship?" Mm -hmm. But I think it'll be it'd be better if you can give us like, you know, is there a time when you've seen something shift through worship? Absolutely. Um, yeah, because that question is quite broad. Yes. What takes place in worship? You can go into yeah. lots of different avenues there. Um, but I'll share a story um, from 2017, December 2017. Sean and I separated because. We couldn't live together. We were at each other. We were hurt. We were fighting. We could not stay in the same house for 24 hours without blowing up, erupting, or just being ice cold to one another. So we separated for six months, and I took River and stayed with my parents on the mountain. And my mum would take River for the day. Um once a week, sometimes twice. Um, and I would sit in the lounge room. I would blast Rita Springer's song Defender. And the lyrics are, Hallelujah, you have saved me. It's so much better your way. Hallelujah, great defender, so much better your way. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I didn't sing it beautifully like I do up here on stage. I was crying. I was screaming this out. I was unashamedly dancing and stomping and waving and punching. And I was declaring, I was declaring that I was going, it looked like things were going to end. But I aligned my thoughts. I aligned my thoughts with what God said. And in that moment, he said, I'm a God of family. I'm a God of covenant. 
and I will defend you. You don't have to win this battle. You can take your hands off. You don't have to control Shan or show him the best way. You let go. It's good. It's real good. And so I did my part where I aligned myself with those thoughts. I got a vision of what God saw for my future and I worshipped the crap <laughs> out of that song. <laughs> and I, and yeah. Do you want to add, Cass? The results of this. That's the result. <laughs> and that, that story right there is, is why this is so important. I know we've taken a long time this morning, but I, I wanted to take a long time to cement what it is we're trying to do here. Cement the power of this thing. That I watched this thing fall apart. And then I watched them rebuild it on the right foundations. I watched them put it back together, not because you know there was fancy this or fancy that, but because they had a heart to say, God, I'm going to worship you. And I love the fact that the song she sung, the song she sung was not, woe is me and, and you know, God, you're going to rebuild me. She just got and she said, you know what, God, you're, you, you're the defender and you're the worthy one. So whatever it is you do, you do it. I'm going to give you my back. I'm going to open my hands and you move. All right, last question. I'm going to mold the two questions together. You guys are parents of two kids. You have a busy lifestyle. You have a chaotic lifestyle at times. And you, you still manage to worship and to praise. How do you do that? And how do, do I, as hypothetically, someone who has no music ability, no singing ability, I sing like a drowned fish, I can't play an instrument, music doesn't work, how can I be in that position and how can I, if my life is busy, how do I continue to uphold worship on a day-to-day? What's a, practically, what does it look like? Okay, very good. I wonder what you lot think of what happens in our house. If we're like walking around every day singing songs and practicing lyrics and it just, you know, there's, and there's milk and honey flowing around our house, you know, it's very much the opposite. <laughs> I'll, I'll be straight up. Um, this nearly, nearly didn't happen today. Because life gets in the way. We want to scrap each other again all the time. And it sounds weird, but it's true, isn't it? But we had to spend a whole day turning our phones off, spending time with the kids, you know, making stuff, and fellowshipping together just to reignite that love for the Lord again, get our hearts right. And that's why it's so important when we do these, these you know, sing songs together or corporate worship, because God knows what we're going through. Right? It's not a surprise to God that you've got money troubles. Do you think he doesn't know that? Do you think he didn't doesn't know that you just lost your job or that you had a fight with your wife or that um, it's raining, whatever? He knows all that stuff. But that's why we come together. That's why we come together and we find that time. Um, and Coco can talk a little bit more about that because really she runs the house with these kids. That's a, a whole other nightmare. But the, the second part of that... Um, it was, sing it again. If I don't have music Yeah, don't have music I want to be honest again. I don't rate myself at all as a singer. At all. This is true, true story. So for you guys are like, whatever. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, I think she has got an amazing singing voice. And it wasn't until I did a missions trip with Mel out in Bree Warrener, out in the middle of the sticks, okay? And I'm worshipping out there... And these guys, these Aboriginal people, flipping their phones out, just super encouraging, coming up to me afterwards, thinking like I'm Marvin Gaye's voice, you know, best voice in the world. And, and then I realized, I think God spoke to me very clearly. He said, that gift in you is not for you. You come to, I don't care what you think about what you do, I've put a gift in you for the church, for the people, for these guys out in Brewer. And then from that time on, I stopped complaining about, my do's and don'ts or my cans and can'ts. It was all about, okay, what can I bring to worship? What can I bring to the service? And that's why last week was so significant when Ben stopped the worship halfway through 
Because two nights previous to that, we had on Thursday night at prayer a most intimate, incredible time of fellowship and worship because people came with the expectation just to worship him, intentions, just to see him, just to touch his face. And that's what is important anyway. Um, just quickly, I, I really, really want to take that, that image or the idea that you have to be musical or you have to sing, um, to worship. I want, like, shelve it. You don't need it. Um. Let's just burn it. It's not shelving. Not bringing it back. Just put it. We're not bringing it it back. (laughs) Pop it out over there. Go on. It's really about you aligning your thoughts. Your thoughts becoming feelings. Your feelings becoming that that thing in your heart. And and for me with kids, I very 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 rarely ever get to sit down and actually sing songs or worship or, you know do what I did dancing around my room. Like sometimes we do it with like this little light of mine. But a lot of the time, a lot of the time, it's how am I going to get through this day? How am I going to speak to my children? How am I going to speak to my husband that's actually going to be aligning with, with what God says, with how God wants me to treat them, with how God wants me to think, with how... I, it's where your attention and your affections are. It's not. It's not what music is playing. Um, so, as long as my affection and my attention is on God, He. That's all He asks of me. Generally, is well. How are you speaking to your kids? What are you? In, what are you intentionally doing with them today? What are you intentionally teaching them? How are you speaking to your husband? How are you being intentional in that? And, and, and that's generally how I feel in this season. God is teaching me that worship. That's good. That's what it looks like. That's awesome, guys. Thank you so much. As I said, thank you for this season that you've brought us through. Thank you for, for worshiping and, and, and being there week in and week out to, to carry us through that. It's, we, we honor you guys and we, and we thank you. And, We've seen everything you've spoken about just this, this morning. We've seen actually outworked. So well done. Why don't we stand? We're going to go into worship. Now, I understand that... Um, hey, guys, can you move this one? I understand that... Um, please, thank you. That it's quarter to 11. I can see the clock. I understand. And if you have to go, please don't feel like anyone's judging you. Please don't feel like like there's something wrong. If you need to go, it's okay. It's 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 okay. I understand this is this is a lifestyle. It's not something we can just preach on one Sunday and then all of a sudden we have all our all our ducks in a row. We get that. But Tim's not going to just worship for 15 minutes and then we're going to call it off. I've given Tim and Josh is going to lead for us the freedom to go as long as they feel to go for. So if it gets down to just two people here, that's okay. It's not going to upset us. So if you need to go, please do that. There won't be any coffee until someone goes back there when they feel like they've finished. So just be mindful of that, <laughs> which is Dan. We could be here for a long time without coffee. But I just want to finish with this story before we go in. Does any, is, does, has this challenged anybody? Has it given you somewhere to go, something to do? Put something in your hands, you can actually outwork. You don't have to, but if you want to come, you can come and worship in the front in this space here. But I just want to finish with this story because I find it fascinating and I think it's right where we are and I want to go into worship with this. There was an Arab military leader named Tariq quite a long time ago and he, he led an attack on Spain. And when he got to the shores of Spain, they all got out of their boats and he realized that the, the, the army he had was a lot less than the army that they were going to fight. They were incredibly outnumbered. So this leader, Tarek, decided, I need to encourage my men. So what I'm going to do is as soon as they get out of the boats, he burnt all their boats to the ground. 
And then he gathered all these men, he rallied them all together and he said, guys, we have no more boats. We have the sea behind us and we have the enemy in front of us. There's nowhere else for us to go except for into battle. Who's with me? And of course, everyone who was there goes, well, I've got no other option. I'll be with you. I'll come into battle with you. And then there was a, there's a guy named um, Sun Tzu who, who, who wrote um, The Art of War. And he coined this term. He coined it as the fighting floor. That it was a maneuver called the fighting floor. We've got nowhere else to go. Let's just go into battle. And it reminds me heaps of, of the story in John 6 where Jesus, he asked the disciples, do you want to go to? Do you want to leave and go with all the rest who are leaving? And the disciples look to him and they say, where? You're the only one with words of life. We have no idea what you just said. I don't understand what you're calling us into, but you're the only one with words of life. You're the only one worth going into something. So we're going to worship right now. If you want to bring your tithes and offerings, the bags, the baskets at the front, we do that as a part of our worship. But won't you just come and give of yourself? Come and open your hands. Give God your back. Come and worship Him for who He is. If you need to come and lay out the front, if you need to come and dance or whatever it is you feel you need to do, then come and do that. But let's just give Him the honor and the glory He deserves. Lord, we come right now. worthy just to worship you. We come with our hands open, Jesus. We come prostrate, willing to say, you're the one that we want to give ourselves to. You're the worthy one. You're the one who deserves everything that we have. Lord, come and take what's yours. God, whatever it is that takes place here this morning, whatever powers of darkness get pushed back this morning, Lord, you take the glory. You're the worthy one and the holy one. And Lord, we worship you. We will wait as long as we need to.